Hello there, Alaskans, wherever you are. Welcome to the Must Read Alaska Show. Coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. This is the place where we talk about, you guessed it, Alaska. Where we keep the mainstream media on their toes and where we are standing up for what's right and a world run by leftists. You can find out more by heading over to mustreadalaska.com and also checking out the Must Read Alaska YouTube channel for some really great content. But first, let's get this party started. What's good, Alaska? This is Scott Levesque, and you're listening to the midweek edition of the Must Read Alaska podcast. I want to welcome everybody. And before we get started, I just want you to take a minute or two to go ahead and give us a five-star review. It really helps us in our search rankings. It helps us when people are searching for Alaska politics. It pulls our podcast up uh, amongst the first that are... uh, that are on the populated list. So if you can do that, that'd be phenomenal. We appreciate all of our listeners, supporters, and our readers. Also, if you want to take the next step, you can go ahead and give us a written review. We love hearing feedback from all of our listeners. It's been positive. We've really loved any kind of constructive criticism, but it's it's been mainly positive, and that's been great. So if you want to take just some additional time and give us a written review, that would be phenomenal as well. Well, we got a lot to talk to today, but I got a special kind of co-host with me, uh, Spencer Moore, and he's the Region 3 representative for the Republican Party in Alaska. Spencer, how are you doing? I'm great. How are you, Scott? I'm excellent. we got a lot to dive into, but before we do that, let's give our listeners a little bit of background on who you are and what you do uh, for the Republican Party, if you don't mind. Absolutely. So, yeah, I've been uh, volunteering with the Republican Party for a couple of years now. Um, I started off as a district chair of District 27 here in East Anchorage, and I did that for about a year. Um, And this past year, I moved up to the region rep, Region 3, which is covers East Anchorage, uh, Eagle River, Chugach area. And uh, so, yeah, so I'm over five districts now. And, um, yeah, just uh, Republican politics, always fun, and uh, always things to continue to move move towards. But uh, but that's what I do. And, um, yeah, uh, local politics is diff- definitely interesting. Um, especially in Anchorage. Especially in Anchorage. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, definitely recently with this assembly and uh, the, lo- just, you know, the, the elections – this past year, um, been very interesting. So <laughs> Spencer's got a lot of information, and he's going to be a great co-host with me today. So I'm really excited to have him here. And uh, what we normally do is we're going to do some quick hits today, and we've got a couple of stories that I want to touch on. But the first one I want to touch on is this national news that uh, Governor Dunleavy made and the state of Alaska made, which is now uh, the governor has extended all vaccinations to well, I shouldn't say all. There are some vaccinations that are extended to 16-year-olds. Some of them are 18-year-olds, but he's opened up the vaccinations right. that are available. So to just be a little bit more precise on some of these things, right now the Pfizer vaccination is going to be uh, open to individuals that are 16 and older, whereas the Johnson & Johnson, that's the single-shot vaccination, and the Moderna, I, I always say this wrong. Moderna. Moderna, yeah. there it is, yep. is uh, available for people that are 18 and older. So both of those are 18 and older. And it made national news. Um, maybe, uh, you know, some people feel like that's a great thing. Some people feel like that's not such a great thing, but generally speaking, it's, it's positive, I think. And the hope is, is that with now the vaccinations being opened up, uh, to 16 years old and older so that everybody that wants to get one 
currently not mandated, but wants to get one and exercise that right can do so. And I know all listeners have uh, varying opinions and, and responses on that when it comes to the vaccination in general. The question remains is a couple things, Spencer, and I want you to kind of give me your, your perspective on this uh, before we dive into some other things that are interesting about Alaska that, that we've kind of dug up as well. But the first is, you know, what do you think this does for the state? Does it open back up the economy? Does it help us here? And, you know, you and I both live in Anchorage, and we know that the, you know, the emergency orders right now are pretty stringent still. So do you think this opens up and releases everybody from wearing masks and, and quantity of people in stores? Or do you think this is just uh, good PR generally speaking, but it's not going to change a lot? Well, I think, number one, I think it's a win for the governor. I think that's it's good on him for, obviously, you know, getting that number one mark for his administration. I do think it puts the pressure on not only the Anchorage Assembly, but, um, you know, really the acting mayor to say, you know, the numbers really are trending towards uh, really the end of this thing, the end of the pandemic. And so I think people want to see uh, businesses back open um, at full capacity. I think people want uh, the, you know, the option to wear a face mask or not wear a, f- a face mask in the municipality. Um, I, I think you see, we, you know, we don't have the, the mandate uh, um, across the whole state. It's really just the municipality of Anchorage um, and certain other, you know, pl- uh, other municipalities across the state have opted to to go that route. But I think as more and more people um, get vaccinated. I think that just puts the pressure on the leadership to say, you know what, you know, let's go, let's go ahead and move forward to open the economy and let's, let's get our, let's get our people back to somewhat normal. I mean, I think that people are ready for that. Um, springtime's coming, which means tourist season and other, other things, um, to try to boost this, the state. Um, and just, yeah, I, I think people are ready for it. Yeah. And I think that that goes co- and coincides a lot with what we're seeing in the statistical data. Um, you know, our seven-day average of new cases is about 131. Uh, today we had, I say the ninth, we've had about um, 89 cases. The new number isn't out, or at least I can't find it right now. But yesterday we had 89 new cases. And mm-hmm. on the seven-day average of deaths right now, it's it's at zero. Right. And uh, we haven't had any deaths for the last seven days. So there is a, and if you look at the the actual, the graph itself, you're seeing a dramatic drop in daily cases around the state. You're seeing, obviously, a drop in deaths. So you would think that this now, with the vaccination being open up to anybody that wants it with the ages of 16 and over, we should yeah. start seeing schools open up without restrictions, right? Absolutely. And I think you made a good point. Anybody who wants to get it, everybody who has, I mean, you have the choice. You have the option to do it. And I think that's going to be a big thing, too, because I know some people are pro-vaccine, some people are anti. I think the main thing is you have the choice. You know, you have the choice to be able to make an informed decision based on your health as, you know, as a free American, because we still are Americans. We're not, uh, you know, we still have that option. So I think that's the beautiful thing that, you know, living in America is to be able to have that choice. Um, so I think, it, yes, it puts the pressure on the school the school district as well. Hey, let's get back to, mm-hmm. um, I mean, obviously, if we want to, you know, do it with the, uh, get our teachers vaccinated and, and school officials, then, um, I, I, yeah, I think it totally puts um, the pressure on them. I think, you know, whether it be with, uh, you know, the mask issue with student athletes playing sports, I think that, you know, puts even more pressure on, um, you know, just, uh, w- you know, if an official is, is vaccinated or if, you know, the capacity of fans. I, I think we've got to get back to uh, somewhat normal. I think we've got to move towards that direction. I don't think we want to take a step back. So I think it's it's only positive moving forward. Yeah, I agree. And I think one of the things that you and I have talked about is sort of now that we're kind of 
on the downward trend, at least when we talk about the numbers and we talk right. about the fact that the vaccines are going to be open up for choice to take. It really brings it to mind into the forefront, the ripple effect and really the collateral damage of what this pandemic has done to a state that already has some deficiencies and in, in areas that uh, are glaring. And, you know, you and I have talked about this at extent. You know, there are some areas that are glaring right now and have only gotten worse. Absolutely. And so, you know, again, this is insider baseball with you and I talking about this. What what are some of the things that you're seeing right now that are that are just not only were they detrimental before the pandemic, they've only gotten worse. Well, yeah, and there, I, I was reading an article recently that, that had, uh, you know, the states ranked. And so I think the state of Alaska really as a whole should be focusing on some of the other issues that, we, that we're facing as a state. I mean, education were ranked 49th nationally. I did see another, uh, there was a video recently that came out, I think it was from one of the Senate hearings mm. or one of the House hearings that just said, hey, we're, our, uh, you know, our, 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 um, what is it? Our results are some. Some of them are, are, are as bad as a third world country. And so I think 49th in education out of 50 states. Um, the economy was ranked 50th, uh, and then the crime and corrections was ranked 49th. So those are some huge red flags and huge issues. I mean, we've obviously seen a, a trend of people moving out of the state. Obviously, we know the Biden administration is not uh, energy friendly as far as the state of Alaska goes. So I, I think we've got some real issues here. I think COVID, we need, to, we need to kind of put it behind us, move towards some of the things that are staring us in the face. Um, you know, we've, we've got to make some hard decisions, whether that be cuts, um, which I'm a big proponent of that as far mm -hmm. as the state level goes. Um, but I, th I think people have got to start stepping up, taking leadership and making some tough decisions because I'm not mortgaging or I don't want to see us mortgaging our future uh, to our kids. Right. Because you know, that's that's what we're doing right now. So. Yeah, I think you raised some really important questions and facts. And, and the problem is, is that we are at the bottom quarter. I mean, we're 49th or 50th, depending on what you're looking at in terms right. of um, rankings. And so it really brings a larger point to mind right now, now that everything's going to be open. And again, great PR, great opportunity. Um, what are you, you know, one of the things that I think a lot of Alaskans are looking at after the election is how we do elections. Right. Ballot measure two passes. It's going to totally revolutionize what we do in terms of how we do um, elections here in Alaska. Right. We've got an election coming up for the Anchorage mayor race. So we've got that, and it's all mail-in ballots, all right, which is already making people uneasy because you can't – it's hard to regulate. It's hard to do that. What COVID did is it gave a sort of a trial ground to see – how we could do elections without actually showing up to polls anymore. And, and you and I have talked about this. Republicans show up to polls. Dems don't. Correct. Just generally speaking. Um, what, do you th what do you foresee in the future here in Alaska for elections? As, as being the rep, the regional rep, um, you interact with a lot of the districts. You interact with a lot of uh, Republicans and even conservatives. You know, not every conservative is a Republican, but with both who are concerned about election, not just integrity, but our election process moving forward. Right. Um, can you kind of clue us in a little bit on what, what your thoughts are on that? That's, that's, a, that's a, um, a big issue uh, for just, I mean, all voters, but, but specifically conservative voters who do feel like the past election had issues. Um, and whether you're in one camp or the other with the fraud or with, without the fraud, I do think that we've seen states around the country have issues with the different policies and procedures they put in place, whether that's mail-in ballots, whether that's these drop boxes that certain states have in certain places and not others, 
whether they have uh, polling locations open at certain place, you know, certain times or, or not. Um, I just I think chain of custody and all these different issues that that we see. Uh, and, and Anchorage obviously has been doing the mail-in <clears throat> voting uh, for a few years now, a few election cycles. So I think that we may not even know if, if our election system uh, has those issues because we, we've kind of, um, we've had a few, we, you know, we haven't seen any major issues. I say that because I don't feel like it's publicized like the national news media does with a presidential election. But I do feel like, you know, it, it, does, it does have issues. More people touch those ballots. Um, whether it be uh, postal workers or whether it be uh, municipality workers, whether it be um, whoever, volunteers. I don't know who all is involved in the municipality um, election, who's, who's, who all is touching those ballots. Um, but I do know that the more people you have touching them and the more people that have access to them, the, the more right for issue that, uh, that a clean election can have. So I, I did work the um, primaries for the state this past August, and uh, there was very good accountability. There was a good mix of uh, some conservatives, some liberals, um, working, the, you know, the, the, the election. So I, I felt really good. I felt really comfortable about where we are um, on, on a state level. But that, again, was, was before ballot measure two. I don't know what ballot measure two is going to do for, um, you know, the lack of, of primaries and just, uh, you know, again, ranked choice voting. It's just it it's ripe with all kinds of issues, misinformation, and that's something we don't need any more of in our society because we have enough of enough issues with that right now. So I, f I feel like ballot measure two is a big wild card for uh, political strategy. I feel like, I mean, you know, do, do we do we run two on, on one side and two on the other side? So to try to, I mean, it, it's just, it becomes uh, more difficult to be able to just have a primary, one side picks a candidate, the other side picks a candidate, they go off to a race and they, determine, uh, you know, what official they want. So I just, I think it, it creates um, a strategy game between the parties that are already there in existence that aren't going away, but yet are somewhat disenfranchised by the lack of a primary now. So I, I think that there's just, there, there are some major issues that we, that we face. For sure. And I think Ballot Measure 2 is a prime example of that Times article that Musri Alaska shared about the strategy that the, the, the liberal and the Democratic Party had in terms of how to change and try to get elections changed for the future to make um, strategies that they're imposing already more successful as we move forward. And I think this is the big thing, right? For me, I've always harped on this. In Alaska, I really think the biggest issue was the ballot harvesting. And it may not have affected the Senate race or the House race uh, when it comes to nationally. But my thing is yet. I think that's, right. that's yet. I, I, think, right. I think this last election was just a, a laying the groundwork for more of that to come because I, I definitely think that that's going to be – I mean, even in my own district, I had, I had people from the Algros Al campaign come and some other folks. Um, and, and, yeah, what, I mean, ballot harvesting on a local level is more difficult, but these national campaigns that have funding coming from the outside yeah. definitely can do that. Well, know? for sure. And that had a trickle-down effect, at least yeah. on the ballot. Absolutely. Right? I mean, our, our district for the, the Lance Pruitt and the Liz Snyder race absolutely had a trickle-down effect. And so, I, I, again, I don't, I don't know if you can quantify the, the numbers exactly – of you know the percentage of votes that, yeah. that that actually swayed or affected because again when when a democrat votes for a 
you know, a person votes, I shouldn't just say Democrat, but a Republican as well. Anybody votes, they typically vote down the ballot. They're not right. just, hey, I'm here for this this particular campaign. I'm mm-hmm. just speaking on the Algos campaign because I had a, a, a guy from his campaign come and talk to me. Right. And I had already voted at that, at that time. But the point is, it doesn't matter what candidate. If, if I'm a conservative or a, I'm a liberal, uh, I'm typically going to vote down the ballot. So if, yeah. if you if you harvest a ballot for one uh, person over another, um, you know, the, the numbers er, add. everybody down the ballot yeah. is going to going to be positively yeah. affected for whoever, you know, whatever campaign you're working towards. Yeah, it, it's so, a numbers game. Just because Al Gross didn't win the election correct. doesn't mean that the ballots that were harvested by his people and out-of-state workers didn't, didn't have an effect. I mean, how many votes did Lance actually lose by at this point? Like 12, 10, 9? Yeah, under 20 for sure. So, so something super... And super the point super. is, is that... That obviously had an effect there. That race was going to be close, but every advantage that was had by ballot harvesting by the Gross and the, I can't even, at least Galvin, Galvin yeah. uh, side makes a difference in there. Well, let, let's move on to another interesting point here. Um, and again, this is an individual who is making headway and news waves and all that here in Alaska, but uh, Senator Laura Reinbold was removed uh, as a spectator in the House Health and Social Services Committee meeting um, here recently, and, and and again, it was it was yesterday. Um, Senator Reibold has been making waves uh, with her very public feud with the governor. Um, she also made waves earlier before that with her trip on Alaska Airlines and refusing to wear a mask and that whole thing. But but this one was a very interesting thing because she was called out by Rep. Zach Fields, who's a very very much left leaning. Uh, Democrats, um, you know, it was it was kind of brought to the uh, the speaker uh, Stutes attention. Uh, the rules chair got involved, and then security entered. And this is all caught on uh, the closed circuit camera here for Gavel, Alaska. So uh, Reinhold, of course, had her phone out, so she recorded the whole thing as well. But you know, this goes to an interesting thing. I'm not sure how your relationship is with Senator Reinbold. I know, obviously, she represents Eagle River. But this is sort of an interesting development, more so specifically because of her public uh, back and forth with the governor on various issues. Um, so, I mean, are you hearing anything since you kind of are over that region? And, you know, if you had some advice, what would you give at this point, if any? Well, I haven't heard anything specifically as, as far as from her constituents or anything that way. Um, I do think that the, the governor and, and senators' uh, little feud they've got going is, is it's kind of comical and, and it's just kind of unproductive, I, I believe. Uh, you know, it's, the mask issue is such, a, it's such a hot button issue. It's just kind of like the vaccine issue. It's just it's one of the things where, you know, again, personal choice. We're Americans. We want freedom. We want to be able to choose what we want to do. We want to be able to choose what's best for our own health. And so, um, I, I guess uh, I, I'm not sure. I guess the state of Alaska in on state property, you have to wear a mask. Is that is that the well, that's the, the current rules. rule right now? Yeah, that's that's what's going on right now in okay. in session. So I yeah. So I I mean, if she's if she's making an effort to put on something, I think that's good. I think you know when they start. Uh, I think I read in, in the article that it wasn't uh, an approved face mask. Yeah, it was a face shield. Okay, it's a face shield. You know, to me, the people, if, if, they, if they're going to make the effort to do that, um, I, I still think that's making an effort to, uh, to try to, um, to, to be protective. Um, 
so I don't know. It, it's it's a hot button issue. I'm I don't enjoy wearing masks myself. So, <laughs> you know, it's it's one of those things where. Right. Uh, are we gonna? Is it a hill we're gonna die on? I don't know. I, I I feel like it's a. It's it's not a a it's not a policy issue. You know, I, I like the governor. I like the senator. I, I I wish they would just move on. Get to the policy issues that we talked about sure. a few minutes ago yeah. that are really affecting our state. Because right now, we don't need a, a in-state feud on something so silly. And I know there's probably more to it than what we're seeing. Um, there's got to be. I mean, because obviously it— Right. Know, but— Well, obviously it was a dig by Zach Fields right. to, to bring this up. She was spectating. She was watching the, the, the meeting. Uh, so she wasn't even involved. She wasn't going to speak. It was a committee meeting she just wanted to be in on. And Zach— Fields um, decided to make a deal about it. And again, she's an easy target because she's been so vocal against the governor, um, which is interesting because I would assume if I'm Zach Fields, I'm, I'm really digging that. But it was also the second time she's been asked to wear like a, an approved mm-hmm. mask. Um, you know, she was asked by uh, Senate President Peter Machiki, who advised her to wear uh, a face shield was uh, told her the face shield wasn't adequate, so she decided to just skip the floor session, the Senate floor session, which to me is a big deal. Yeah. Like at this point, we need our legislators to legislate, and and as you said before, we need to get back to like people like you and me sitting here going like, what's going on with our economy? What's going on with our schools? What's going on with our property taxes? What's going on with a lot of things? What? How are we going to recover from this? pandemic, this thing that has crushed, how are we going to recover from the Biden administration, shutting down pipelines, shutting down oil exploration, um, putting in the most radical, green-minded Department of Interior ever, like already looking at shutting things down, already looking at trying to make it impossible to explore. How are we going to do that? Instead, what we have is ticky-tack feuds. We've got crazy allegations. We've got people just saying, you know what, I'm not going to show up to the Senate floor because I don't agree with masks. Listen, you said it, I'll say it. I don't like masks. I have glasses, which makes it even worse. Uh, I go from cold to warm, and I can't see where I'm going in lows. My point is is that I think we're picking wrong fights, um, and I think we're picking fights with the people on our same team, and it doesn't look good. Well, and I think that kind of even just crosses over into why we've, we, we see the situation in the House that we do where – you know, we, we can't get uh, we can't get things accomplished. We can't form caucuses. We can't do things because we're so worried about you know who's going to get what position and, and how it's going to play out. And is this person a rhino? Or are they not? You know, or is this person a you know are they going to jump ship? And and so we end up wasting so much time and effort and energy on issues that don't matter. And we we don't get anything done for the people. I, I really feel like the the politicians that are in place, and this this goes for Washington as well as Juno, they're they're so far uh, separated from what the actual issues are from their constituents. I mean, if they were listening to their own people, they would see, okay, hey, listen, we've got businesses that are tanking. We have people that are struggling. Why are we why are we wasting our time with things that don't matter? Represent your people. I mm. mean the. You know, it's not hard to be able to see the issues in your district. If you live in your district and you have your eyes open, you, you're, you're aware of what's going on. You go to the community councils or you at least know what's going on in your community councils. You, you understand what's going on, in, you know, in, in your 
if it's your you know Republican district, if it's your Democrat uh, district, you know you represent the people that you got elected by. If you don't know what they're wanting or what the issues that they're facing, then I mean, I, I just I don't even know where to start. I mean, I don't know why we're getting caught up in these things that just just don't matter. So yeah, I agree with you. I think like I said. My, my big thing is let's get back to, to the business that we need to get back to, which is ensuring that Alaska survives. Right. At this point, we're, we're, we're past the whole point of we can do these back and forth because it's, you know, you know maybe political points, grandstanding, uh, you know, maybe it's just, a, you know, it's a prerogative or more importantly, maybe it's a personal point that they're trying to make. There's a personal virtue to it. My point is, is that that time is over. We're going to be in some of the toughest times Alaska has ever been in because of this administration. Uh, when I say that, I mean the presidential administration. I think we have already difficulty with our tourism industry. We're having difficulty and much more to come when it comes to our natural resource development. And not to mention the largest city in the state has some of the most liberal and very defeating people on its assembly and currently the acting mayor in that mayor seat right now. What we need is to change that, and we need to see that, in, and again, it goes back to ideas. Yes, you may have a principle, but the idea should outweigh everything else, which is the idea is we need to get people back to work, back to uh, a lot of things. And I think, I think you probably have something about this when it comes to, like, policy, right? Absolutely. I think, I mean, I think this, and this can, this can stem all the way up to the presidential election that we just saw. It's policy over personality, you know? Uh, policies matter, period. I, I don't care who you are. Policies matter. If, whether it's an Anchorage Assembly policy that says we're going to be the only city in the entire country that's going to make masks a law, uh, you know, th those policies matter. You know, personality, whether they, you know, whether they fight back and forth with, you know, and they complain about being called names and things like that, th those are whatever. What, that doesn't matter. But policies matter. You know, are people going to want to move to Anchorage, Alaska when they find out what our city is like. Are we business friendly? Do, are, do we have good schools? Do we have businesses that are open and, and you can actually go out and have a meal with your family? You know, those are not inviting, uh, f inviting to new families. I mean, you know, really, again, if, if you, and, and we, we already said this before, if, if oil and gas and other, other natural resources don't pan out over the next few years, Alaska is going to be hurting. Um, and and I, so I, I think, again, policies are so important. And I, again, you see it from the Biden administration now, you know, with, with just the executive orders and the, the secretaries that he's putting in to place for um, pretty much all different positions, whether it be, um, which the Attorney General, I guess, Merrick Garland got uh, confirmed um, by the Senate, I believe, today, uh, you know, continued uh, left uh, policies and left positions across the board is going to be detrimental to not just our state, but our country as a whole. Yeah. So. Yeah, I agree. And and one of the things that we've talked about here in, in Must Read Alaska, and specifically, is the power of the vote and why it's important for everybody to get out and vote, to have their voice heard. And, and not only that, but a lot of what's going on right now in the Anchorage mayor race is important. And must Read Alaska put out a, an article here about the Anchorage Mayor's Race, Dunbar Robbins lead in the fundraising arena. Now, it's a little bit misleading in the sense of this. It's true they lead in the fundraising arena. Uh, when we look back at, at how much money they've, quote, raised. And so the first thing is, is that Robbins' report 
had him at 210,000, just a little over 210,000 uh, raised here initially. Now, with actual Dunbar, that, that brings the totals that I'm looking for right here to about $312,000 to date as well. So Dunbar is, is, is really packing it in. Um, and then behind that comes Dave Bronson with about 162,000, almost 162,500. And, and the list goes on from there. I think, you know, falsey has got 130,000 ish, but, but the really, the, the big thing is, is what do you think this says in your mind about the candidates? Do you think fundraising is a direct uh, representation of percentage of population who will vote, or do you think it's deep pockets? Uh, I think there's some misleading things about fundraising right now in terms of the the candidates. There's a lot of interesting. Uh, when you drill into the numbers, mm-hmm. it gets very interesting. I'll give you an example on this one. So Dunbar has received a tremendous amount of outside contributions, more so than anybody else, um, even more so than than Berkowitz at this time. I mm-hmm. think when we we did a podcast a couple weeks ago about these these numbers here and and it was staggering just the difference in outside influence and money uh for for Ethan Berkowitz when he ran for re-election in 2018 versus what Dunbar has now I mean it's been substantial versus like I don't know Dave Bronson who has much more cash on hand he's got about $144,000 cash on hand which if anybody knows anything that makes it liquid that makes it that's cash on hand availability to create and and do a lot of things um, quickly and, and be agile. So that's a that's a differentiating factor when you drill down into the numbers. I know that, for instance, Robbins, he's had, um, you know, he's contri- contributed greatly to his campaign personally, uh, whether it's from his campaign or, excuse me, out of his pocket directly or to his companies that are doing marketing for him that 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 are a big part of that. So the, the question to me is, is what are your thoughts on this? I mean, you're, you've seen the numbers. Where are you at right now in the local mayor election here in Anchorage? And, and kind of what are your what are your greater thoughts on it? Well, I think anybody that understands local politics, understands unions have a huge, uh, they have a huge say in what, what goes on politically here in a city, whether it be supporting um, local assembly uh, folks, local school board, members and specifically the mayor i think that uh forrest dunbar has obviously got a lot of union support i think you mentioned out-of-state funding i I don't know i haven't dug into his apoc reports i don't know if it's if it's a lot of small donations or if it's mainly larger uh you know donations from let's just say PACs and other things um i do know that like i said like you said robbins did have um some of his own money but I, i do think he's had pretty good support from the business community um, I think Bronson as well has had good support from small small donors and also the business community. Um, but I, I just I think the landscape is different when you have uh, the unions really pushing, you know, one candidate. You know, I think that that's they, they control so much power within the municipality because, you know, it's whether it's the police or the fire or the, or the uh, teachers union or, uh, you know, it, it's just there's so much power that the municipality um, has just in there in just the union support. So I think uh, obviously Dunbar, if he's getting that union support, that is a, um, that's a red flag. If I'm a candidate right. to say, listen, you know, that, that's, that's some good support. You know, we, we ran a campaign um, last year for Monty Dyson here on the East side of town for assembly. And uh, it was interesting that, uh, he, you know, he had a, a few different meetings with, 
unions uh, trying to get some support, and they actually liked Monty a lot, um, but he didn't quite get the support. And so obviously he fell short in that election. And so I think we've got to put credence towards the importance of the unions, even though I'd, you know, a lot of people that are in the private sector don't particularly like uh, unions and what they do and how they control, um, uh, you know, just and, and, and sway. Um, but again, they, they do get their people out to vote and they do, uh, you know, they do, ha you know, give a lot of volunteer time, whether, whether you call it volunteer time, maybe it's just paid time, but uh, they do give a lot of time to the, the, the candidate they support. So I think that's something, I mean, Obviously, you've got to have private citizens that are going to get on board with the conservatives because otherwise you've got the union support, and that's nearly enough to get you across the finish line in a local election. Yeah, so. it definitely it definitely played a role in, in Monty Dyson's campaign. But I, I think, uh, and additionally, you know, February 17th, we, you know, here at Must Read Alaska put out a, a, an article about just the, the way that Forrest was receiving money. Now, at that point and up to that date, Force had received about $252,000. And of those donations, 21% of his donations were from out of state. 21%, wow. Versus Berkowitz, which had 6% out of state. So, so like, I mean, you know, wh who out of state is trying to buy this guy? Well, hey, I gave him, listen, I took a little slack okay. because I tried to give a benefit of the doubt. Maybe those out of state donations were um, snowbirds. Oh, I got raked over the coals. Like, hey, nice theory, but we all know that's not really true. And, and it may not be the case. But what I'm saying is, is that it's it's concerning to me when almost a maybe, quarter. Maybe it was his mom in Portland, you know. <laughs> maybe his mom was sending him some cash, you know. Maybe his mommy insists. Maybe that's it. Yeah. You know, I, you know, uh, maybe he's got some good homies down there, that, <laughs> you know, that that really love what he's doing up here in Anchorage, and you know, yeah. maybe it's maybe it's just it's going to be like morphing Anchorage into Portland. Maybe, oh. maybe that's the grand scheme yeah. here. I think you just made every listener cringe oh. and maybe throw up a little bit in their mouth. Okay, well, uh, <laughs> that's, you know, that's what we do here. Yeah, <laughs> but, but the reality is this, is that at least at February 17th, yeah. looking at the APOC filing, 21% of his, of his uh, donations have come from out of state, which is alarming because obviously you know you can follow money. You're beholden to those, right? So constituent-wise, if you have private citizens giving you money, it's because they believe in your policies and procedures. And maybe outside people do, but they live outside. They don't live within Anchorage. They don't live within the municipality. And the power of that money, which means those people may or may not have the ear to Forrest Dunbar when it comes to policy. And we've seen what we've done. Now, we've followed a lot of the policies that we've put into place over the last year and a half, have Genesis in San Francisco, in Portland, in Seattle, uh, down in LA, there are a lot. Denver, Colorado, another one. I've written stories about how a lot of the policies and the things that the assembly, who's extremely left-leaning, wants to implement, have been from very left-wing cities that have high crime, that have had rioting and issues with with protests. Uh, they've had issues with homelessness. Mm -hmm. They've had issues with. Um, Budgeting. They've had a lot of these issues that we're having, and we mirror those same organizations. And yet, here's what we do, Spencer. We keep going back to the well. Like, we haven't learned the lesson. And you know why? It's not about learning a lesson, it feels like. It's about continuing down an ideology because we've all got to be. I'll give it to the Dems. I'll give it to the left. They will, they will fall lock and step regardless of even personal feeling. It's all for the brand. It is all for the, it's all for the, the party. Right. 
versus <laughs> versus us in the conservative side, which we fight. I mean, you've seen it right now. We talked right. about it. We're fighting and, and for I, principle. Right, and, and and I agree with you. It's 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 the agenda. They, they 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 know the agenda. They play by the rule book, even though there's not really rules there. Um, but the, it's 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 however they can get the agenda across the finish line. And yeah, I, and that's just what it is. And and I think it's very interesting now that you see some of these states. Uh, kind of imploding a little bit. I don't yeah. know if you've followed the Cuomo issue here that he's got. Obviously, I'm not talking about the sexual harassment, but I'm talking about the, the nursing home issue that he's found himself in. And he's even got Democrat lawmakers in his own state kind of uh, you know, coming after him now. Yeah. And so even with their own agenda, it's kind of self-imploding. I mean, yeah. it, whether it's the Me Too issue and, and nobody's defending and backing up his actions with that, or whether it's the, you know, the, the COVID procedures that they can't really defend that because yeah. those weren't really... Keep in mind, this was the guy back in August and July that the Dems were actually trying to get him to run for president. We forget that. <laughs> right. They were hailing him as the savior of the Democratic Party. Look how great, look how bad Florida, uh, I can't think of it, isn't the governor's name DeSantis. down there. DeSantis. And then you have Texas. Look how bad they are. Look how terrible they are. And yet... And he's taking all this praise. He's on CNN doing kissy face with his brother. And behind the scenes, it just never fails. Behind the scenes, he's lying, covering up uh, deaths, trying to make it look less than it was. And it was already bad. So if he had to cover up what was already terrible to be shown in the stats in that sense, I mean, craziness. And not to, I mean, that's not even including any of the sexual harassment, right. any of that stuff and, going and, and on. And again, I don't know any of that stuff. I mean, that's just like, I mean, there's accusations of all the time about that kind of stuff. So I, I don't, I don't really know to speak to that stuff, but just, you just look at, again, the, the Trump targets off is out of the way now. And so what do you see? You see the left kind of starting to eat their own because they don't have anybody left to, I mean, they, they have the house, they have the Senate, they have the presidency, they obviously have the courts, it appears. And so what do they do now? They, they start to eat their own. And so it, it's, it's quite interesting that what we're seeing now. And, uh, you know, again, Alaska is just a microcosm of, of what we see. And it's just uh, we, we've got to have some, some conservative leadership step up. And I think it begins with the mayor race here in, uh, in April. I think we've got to elect a conservative. Um, you know, we've, we've got to put forth a candidate who actually can get the job done. And, and one of the things I was talking to you about, Scott, before the show is, you know, one of the things that Republicans, oh, I'll just say conservatives, in general lack um, the ability to do well is the fact that they, they, they get elected, they get into office, and then it's, it's almost a cleanup job mm. from the bad policies that were put into place before they got elected. Instead of let's forge, let's forge forward with good things for our people, for our constituents, um, for those people we represent. It, it's well, we've got to go back and clean up these issues that were created by the people that you know that we replaced. And so I think that's one issue that again, Governor Dunleavy comes in and he he inherits what. Um, well, obviously the state's in a, in a fiscal crisis. Well, I'm not going to say it's all the, you know, the left's bad policies are their fault, but here again, can we move forward a conservative agenda when you've got these kind of issues, you know? Right. And so I think that, you know, whether, if we get a conservative mayor, it's going to take some time, whether it's an, an entire administration or, or whatever, I don't know, 
but it's going to take some time for him to be able to actually get some good, healthy policies to get homelessness down or get, let's just say, crime under control. It's not just going to happen with a snap of a finger and these, these issues go away. And so I think that's one of the things with conservatives that we've got to we've got to look at the it's long the game. long game. It's the long You're game. The right. Absolutely. So you've got to um, you've got to. You know, be hardcore. Listen, th- these are our policies. We know they work. We can cross-reference them to other time periods and other places in the country where they do work currently. We can't just adopt the San Francisco, Seattle, Portland, Colorado uh, policies and just expect them to just, oh, yeah, they're going to be great. And they're going to be different. We're Alaska. We're different. We're, mm-hmm. we're different. It, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. You know? No, I agree they, with they, you. They failed across the board. Why do we think it's going to be any different? We can't just kill our small businesses and yeah. increase homelessness. And I mean, what's the next thing somebody's going to do? I mean, just is it just uh, checks for everybody? Is it just uh, universal basic income? I mean, what, what are we moving towards? I mean, I, I it's just... Yes, it's it's craziness. So. No, I, I totally agree with you, and I think it's an important point you make, Spencer. And I think our, I hope our listeners, our readers, and our supporters understand this. Like, you know, if we are able, in terms of the city, if the city is able to to make a decision the first time around, which seems unlikely, we're going to have a runoff. And and the idea is this: is that if if the runoff happens and a conservative happens to get in, you're still dealing with a very left leaning assembly. Absolutely. You're still dealing with the yeah, fact that you're inheriting right. Um, you, you want to make it even better? They just put out a press release a couple days ago that the feds are going to be auditing the CARES Act funds here in Alaska. <laughs> so, I mean, you're going to have that. You're going to have a lot of things hanging over your head. And I think it's unfair. This is the problem. You, you can't get a, a conservative in office and then all of a sudden change and, and get upset because things aren't happening at the speed of light. Like, it takes time. Right. And so the long game is such a big perspective on this, for well, sure. Yeah, and, and I will say this. I, I know there's a lot of conservatives that are that feel disenfranchised with, with the past election, um, you know, with the issues there. And so I, I would say one bit of encouragement is we, we've got to press forward. We've got to continue to vote. Um, even if we think it works or we think it doesn't, that doesn't matter. We've, we've got to continue to make our voice heard. And and I hope that within the – with the future of whether it be just our city, our state, or just our country, that we do start to get some of these election laws cleaned up around the country. Um, I, I do know that Congress is, is working on a, a law that would be absolutely disastrous. I think it's H.R. 1, mm. I, I believe. I don't. I have to go research that. But I think it's H.R. 1, and that would be an absolute disaster for America, um, expanding mail-in voting and, and just a lot of they were they were even talking about you know changing the age of of a voter and allowing illegals to vote and just just lots of different issues um, banning um, uh, voter ID laws uh, nationwide. Right. So I, I just I think we've got to be careful um, on a, on a national level, but but specifically we can't just sit this one out. Yeah. I think that's what conservatives can't do. We can't sit this one out. We've got to get out. We've got to vote. We got to put a little money a little bit of money where where our mouth is. We can't just complain on Facebook and. And, um, you know, we, we've got to actually put some, you know, put some labor into this. If yeah. you want to see things change, it's going to take some time, some effort, some money, going to a meeting that's boring, mm. whether it's your community council meeting, whether it's your assembly meeting, it doesn't matter, or just getting involved in, in, in you know, like I said, in, in the Republican Party or, or something that you can support. I'm not saying you support every candidate. I'm not saying you support every policy. 
but um, but you've got to get involved if you want to see something change. So. Yeah, I would say that's true. And, and speaking of this, we're going to hit our last topic here, and I'm going to make it quick because I don't think it deserves a ton of time. Uh, Forrest Dunbar, uh, again, a candidate for mayor of Anchorage, decided to send out a letter. And uh, Forrest is doing a, kind of a little bait and switch here. He's trying to to really radicalize some things and, and make things uh, in partnerships that are not available uh, or that are not true at all, I should say. And in his letter, I'm going to read this to you. Our far-right opponents have embraced conspiratorial anti-science rhetoric that would have us ignore COVID rather than face it head on. And here's the thing that is, this is about as, as truthful as, uh, you know, I'm not even going to go there. It's, this is completely false sentence. What makes it worse is that he's trying to link these two because individuals on this group share articles about Musri Alaska. But he says, they support the toxic partisanship of Save Anchorage and Must Read Alaska. He continues, and worse, his far-right opponents hold events, and this is he's, now he's going after uh, a candidate. His far-right opponents hold events where people do not wear masks, which threaten our hard-won progress towards restarting our economy. There's a lot of rich lack of self-awareness in that that Absolutely. paragraph. Absolutely. And so, so there's a couple of things I want to dispel. Number one is that there is no partnership between Must Read Alaska and Save Anchorage. There is none. And just because people share, well, well, he says partisanship. I think he's. I think he's just talking about basically the. The the, the 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 what they would call right wingers or, or yeah. whatever you want to call us right well <laughs> conservatives I th- right it's it's a clever yes he does say partisanship but by linking the two groups right. together right. an organization and a Facebook group he's trying Correct. to make the correlation that we are we are connected and we're not absolutely and and you know there was an article that uh, Suzanne Downing wrote who who runs Must Read Alaska who put it beautifully but also the lack of self awareness here I mean number one. You're telling – I remember – do you remember this? March, April? Hey, all you got to do is wipe surfaces and cough and sneeze in your hand or in your elbow, right? To that, so we got to flatten the curve. I, I think I learned that in first grade. Yeah, it's maybe. called – yeah. You, you know, called you sing your ABCs? Yeah, so, yeah. something like that. Um, to we got to flatten the curve. To, oh, we just got to shut down for four weeks. To, oh, hey, we've got to restrict everything and your mandatory wear a mask. To, oh, hey, we've got to shut down during the busiest time of year for local businesses in December. Don't forget two masks now. Oh, yeah, two masks. And to, uh, oh, my gosh, we need to extend, you know, uh, the declaration of emergency again because why? To, oh, yeah, we need to make sure that it's not about the emergency powers. It's about the declaration of emergency. They don't, they're not linked. Lie. Well, well, I think one of the things here that he says, threaten our, uh, implying that he had a role in this, right. threaten our hard-won progress in restarting our economy. Isn't isn't the economy halfway shut down because of what their bad policies did? Well, that's, again, the beautiful, I mean, the beautiful ignorance and lack of self-awareness of this candidate. And I got to be honest with you, I wrote an email to his campaign asking him again to come on to the Must Read Alaska show. Uh, I have yet to receive a response. I don't think I'll receive one. And this is the problem. Hey, if your ideas are that great, come on board. Like I, and I, here's what I said, straight up. I'll even read the email because at this point, I just want to make sure that we're all clear that I am promising Many things, including the following, okay? This is what I wrote to the, the campaign uh, for Dunbar here. And it's, it's really very simple. I said, I'm pulling it up here. Good evening. 
I'm reaching out again to request Mr. Forrest Dunbar join the Must Read Alaska podcast for an in-person interview. As the producer of the show, myself, but also your gracious host in the midweek section, I would be more than willing to record, edit, and upload the show in its entirety while Mr. Dunbar watches the progress. Uh, the process to dispel any possible concerns about unfair editing. Hey, I will sit right next to him, do the interview, edit, upload, put everything on there so that there is no, I, I, I'll cut off the tail ends of silence and we'll put it all on our show. Please let me know if you would be available and I will work out all the logistics with you and your team. Thank you. I don't think, I haven't heard anything back. I don't think I'm going to hear anything back. And this is just it. And I get it. Like, why would you come on, quote, I'm going to put this in air quotes, the enemy show. But my friend, I'm giving you a platform. I'm giving you a platform to a bunch of people who currently don't like you, but hey, win them over. Isn't that what we're supposed to do as politicians? Well, is- well, here we're, we're kind of, we're toxic, right? Support the, 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 to- the toxic right wingers, right? right. We, you know, we don't believe in science and we, you know. Well, we don't believe in science when it comes to masks. <laughs> right, right. But, but when it comes to other of, things, it is kind of interesting that he doesn't show up to the meetings, uh, the assembly meetings, because if the masks work, hey, he was there last night. He was there. Okay, great. Yeah, he was he's there. Make, he's making a comeback. Right? Yep. So, but well, the, I think his absence was uh, noticed by many. Okay, so, okay, so now he's making a comeback. That, yep. You know that he wasn't there for a while, and um, yes, I, I don't think that's uh, well. Again, necessarily good, but also a lack of self-awareness. This art, this you know, went out to Geneva Woods residents who uh, have. Uh, united against many of Mr. Dunbar's policies. So um, them asking for, or him and his team asking for money to the Geneva Woods neighborhood who uh, is not a huge fan of Forrest. Is that the nicest way to put it? I don't think they're a huge fan of Forrest and some of the policies (laughs) and voting record he has. But regardless, um, just want to make it clear, uh, there is no connection between Save Anchorage and Must Read Alaska. And also I have now publicly said on this podcast again that I've invited Forrest told him that I would do everything in front of him so there is no question as to what goes out there it's the full interview and I will await a response um I don't think I'm going to get one I don't think I'm going to get one Spencer you'll be you'll, you'll, you'll be waiting a while I guess so well that's it listen we had a great time Spencer thanks for joining me absolutely I really appreciate that and uh listen if you want to get more content like this you can check us out on various platforms I mean first and foremost you can go to mustreadalaska.com you can go to um again you can go to youtube.com you can go to facebook.com parlor you can go to mewe I mean the list goes down Twitter and it's all under the same handle at must read Alaska one word. Also, I want to encourage you, I thank all of our listeners, all of our readers, and all of our supporters. And because of you, we're able to continue putting out this great content. And if you want to continue to support Must Read Alaska and helping us continue to put out great content here on podcasts or uh, our articles we write, our videos, so much more, please do so by supporting us. You can go to mustreadalaska.com and up at the right, click Donate now. Well, Spencer, thanks again for joining me. I really appreciate that. And uh, until next week, take care, Alaska. Alaska.